continuing on this series on prayer and um, this particular section we're looking at how to pray and we've looked at uh, certain aspects of our prayer life up until now and uh, the scripture that we have used as a text for this part of the teaching is in John chapter 11 verse 41 and 42 um, our Lord Jesus speaking um, in this passage of scripture the scripture says then they took away the stone from the place where the dead man was lying and Jesus lifted his eyes and said Father I thank you that you have heard me verse 42 and I know that you always hear me and this is obviously the uh, incident when our Lord raised Lazarus from the dead but we just want to do uh, concentrate on that particular passage where our Lord speaks about the fact that the Father always heard the prayers of our Lord Jesus. And so we said that we, um, in order to follow our Lord Jesus Christ in his prayer life, well then that is what we need to aspire to as well, that our prayers will always be heard by God our Father. And so we've been looking at certain aspects of our Lord's prayer life and then obviously um, translating that into our lives so that we can in fact uh, pray just as our Lord prayed. And so in the previous uh, teaching we had a look at the fact that um, what is different between us and the saints under the new covenant and the saints under the old covenant is that we pray to the Father in the name of Jesus Christ. Um, the saints under the old covenant didn't have access to the name of Jesus. And obviously that differentiates our prayer life uh, uh, between our prayer life and our Lord's prayer life because obviously he never prayed in his own name but we are to pray in his name and he said in he taught us in John 16 22 and 24 he said in that day speaking of the day that we live in now uh, you will ask me nothing and so we're not meant to ask our Lord Jesus for anything most assuredly I say to you whatever you ask the Father in my name he will give it you. Until now you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. And so we ask God our Father in the name of Jesus. That is how our Lord has taught us to pray under the new covenant. And so we went through uh, the, um, looking at praying in the name of Jesus and what that actually entailed. And the fact is, is that as... Um, New Testament believers, <coughs> excuse me, we are meant to pray to God our Father in the name of Jesus Christ our Lord. And then we had a look at uh, praying with persistence, and we saw a number of uh, teachings that our Lord, in fact, gave on the subject of praying with persistence. And um, the fact is that our Lord was te teaching us that he who knocks the door shall be opened. To him the door shall be opened. He who asks shall receive, and he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks the door shall be opened. And when our Lord taught us on that principle, he was talking about being persistent in our prayer life. And we had a look at different um, examples of those who um, prayed with persistence. We looked at Isaac. He interceded on behalf of his wife, uh, for she was barren, and he interceded for her 20 years before he received his answer from the Lord. And we looked at um, that Syrophoenician woman who came to the Lord Jesus to um, have her daughter delivered from demonic oppression or possession, I suppose. And uh, she had to be persistent because she was uh, praying outside of the will of God. And uh, eventually she got her answer because of her persistence. And then we had a look at um, Zacharias and his wife Elizabeth they had prayed for a son or a child and uh, it was only in their late 40s that the Lord answered their prayer so their prayer went unanswered for close on 30 years um, and so Isaac uh, prayed for 20 years Zachariah and Elizabeth prayed for well, I don't know if they prayed for 30 years, but their prayer went unanswered for 30 years. But eventually, God gave them uh, John the Baptist as their son. And then we saw uh, Daniel when he was interceding and praying on behalf of the children of Israel that the archangel Gabriel couldn't get through to him for a period of 21 days. 
Um, Michael had to intervene, and then Gabriel could get through to Daniel. And so we said that there are different reasons as to why our prayers do not get answered straight away from God. But nevertheless, we are to be persistent in our prayers. And when we are persistent, our Lord has said to us that he who asks shall receive, and he who seeks shall find, and to him who knocks the door will be opened. And so that brings us up to speed as to where we are uh, today. And today I want to look at two specific topics with regards to our prayer life, and that is praying with the understanding and praying with our spirits. Because we do, under the New Covenant, again, this differentiates us between the New Covenant, um, the saints under the Old Covenant, and the saints under the New, in that we are able to pray with the Spirit, whereas our brothers and sisters in Christ at the moment, who are in heaven, when they were on the earth, they could not pray um, in the Spirit, for they had no access to the Holy Spirit, but we do. But... Um, Let's have a look at, firstly, at praying with the understanding. Although when Paul talks about um, praying both ways, he actually brings praying with the Spirit uh, in, out first. He says, I will pray with the Spirit and I will pray with the understanding. So Paul places praying with the Spirit first before he pray, um, prays with the understanding. But in today's teaching, we'll do it in reverse. We're going to look at pray, prayers of understanding and then we'll have a look at praying with our Spirit. And so the opening scripture that I want us to have a look at today is in Luke chapter 11, beginning at verse 1. Uh, the scripture says, Now it came to pass, as he was praying, speaking of Jesus our Lord, in a certain place, when he had ceased, that one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. And so... Our Lord Jesus, um, as we saw earlier in the series of teachings, he would go off on his own and pray uh, very often. Um, and his disciples, obviously following him and, and living with him, when he would draw aside by himself to go and pray, they would watch him pray. And uh, on this particular occasion, when our Lord had finished praying, that one of his disciples, the Bible doesn't say, mention which disciple it was, but that particular disciple asked the Lord to teach them to pray. And then we, uh, the, the response that our Lord gave him, when our, uh, in response to that request, we have what is commonly known today as the Lord's Prayer. Um, but in fact, it's not the Lord's Prayer. It, it was the Lord's teaching to his church on the subject of prayer. And so we'll have a look at that particular prayer that our Lord taught uh, his disciples, which translates into teaching uh, the church as well. And see what our Lord, what, uh, what he basically taught, because that, that was the response, that was the, the, the question, Lord, teach us to pray. And in response to that request, this is what our Lord said. And we'll pick it up in Matthew's account, uh, because Matthew's account is a little bit more illustrative of that particular prayer that the Lord um, taught us. And that's in Matthew chapter 6, beginning at verse 9. And this is now our Lord speaking. And he says, In this manner, therefore, pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever. Amen. And so, when our Lord um, responded to the disciples' request to teach them how to pray, and obviously now that is our Lord speaking to us now as well, um, our Lord opened his response by stating, in this manner, therefore pray. So our Lord is not saying to us, this prayer, if you now get on your knees and you utter this prayer word for word to the Father, that's it. That Then you've got prayer covered. Because that's not what our Lord was saying at all. Because he says, in this manner, therefore pray. So our Lord is... He's given us a broad outline in this prayer that he has taught. 
uh, in this teaching he's given on prayer. He has given us a broad outline as to what areas we should be covering uh, when we um, go before God our Father in prayer. And so that is why he said, in this manner, therefore pray. So he's not, he never said, pray this prayer after me. And uh, you know, a lot of Christians, they like to pray this prayer. And it becomes a religious thing. I remember when we were growing up at school, um, at the opening of the assembly, this prayer, everybody prayed. And, you know, as the whole assembly would pray this prayer. And so it became, it, it is pretty a religious thing uh, around Christian circles. But that's not what our Lord was teaching us at all. He was not saying, guys, if you pray this prayer word for word, then you've got to cover it. Uh, you, you know, you, you're covering all the bases. Not at all. Our Lord opened it up by saying, in this manner, therefore pray. So let's have a look at the manner that our Lord has taught us to pray in, and we'll break it down so that we have a, a clearer understanding of what our Lord was actually talking about. And he opens up that uh, prayer by stating, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name, or hallowed be your name. And so our Lord is just giving us uh, principles of prayer here. And the first principle, obviously we've dealt with other issues like we need to have sin sorted out before we even go into our prayer closet. But this is now at the time that we're going to be uttering our prayers before God our Father. And remember, this is now praying with the understanding. We'll touch on uh, praying with the Spirit towards the end of the, today's teaching. But he says, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. And so our Lord is telling us that the very first thing that we should be doing when we get on our knees before God is we should be worshipping the Father. We should be honouring Him and giving Him thanks for who He is, for the fact that He is our God and our Father. And so it should never be a case that Christians come into their prayer closet and the very first thing they do is put their petitions before God and um, uh, begin to intercede there should always be um, a case of acknowledging God for who he is as God and that kind of um, sets the tone really for the prayers that we will then utter unto God and that kind of ties in with what the Holy Spirit taught us along this line as well in Psalm 100 verse 4 the scripture says enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise be thankful to him and bless his name and so we enter into the gates of heaven with thanksgiving and then we enter into the courts of, of heaven with praise and then we enter before the throne of God and we worship him in spirit and truth and so it should be a progressive thing of us entering into the presence of God and so we do we give God thanks for who he is for what he has done for us um, and then we begin to praise God for again who he is and his magnificence and his greatness and whatever it is that we led of the Spirit of God to praise God for at that time and then we begin to worship him in, worship him in spirit and in truth um, and only after we have um, acknowledged God for who he is then and only then do we start bringing our petitions to God. But as, as our Lord taught us, the opening to our prayers that we should be uttering before God is, um, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. And so we give God the, the honor and the glory that is due to his name before we begin with our petitions. And then our Lord lists... Uh, uh, a series of petitions that we bring before God our Father, what areas we should be covering when we pray to God our Father. Now, the, uh, although the Lord has put them in a sequence, these are actually not a, a set sequence. You can uh, move them around. You do not have to pray your prayers in this particular sequence. Again, going back to our Lord's opening statement, in this manner, therefore pray. And again, I made the comment earlier in the series of teachings is that when we do pray before God that we need to be real and you cannot be real and religious at the same time and so we really do need to be 
um, led of the Spirit when we pray and we should not be following a set of rules and have like a checklist and, a, and we tick off the checklist and so now that's it because then it becomes a religious uh, practice, a religious duty and it's not a relationship and that's really what prayer is especially under the New Covenant it's a relationship, it is us speaking to God our Father uh, in the name of Jesus Christ our Lord and so the next point that our Lord said that we should pray about he says, we should pray, your kingdom come. And so this is now speaking about the fact that the kingdom of God needs to be brought into the earth. The primary purpose for the church being on the earth is to extend the kingdom of God. Because outside of that, there's no real reason for us to be down here. Because once we're saved and born again, we're sons and daughters of God. Heaven's far better location for all of the sons of, and daughters of God than the earth because the earth is you know, not a very good place to live, basically. And so the only reason, the primary reason that the church is on the earth is to extend the kingdom of God, is to be used of God to bring others into the kingdom of God. And so that's what our role is on the earth. And so when our Lord said to us that we should pray, to the Father, your kingdom come. Um, it's because that is the primary reason that Jesus came to the earth, is to save the lost. And we are meant to be used of God. We've been given the ministry of reconciliation. And so we should be praying for those in our sphere of influence who do not yet um, know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. We should be praying and interceding on their behalf that God would use us um, in order to bring them into the kingdom of God, or at least um, pray so that God would bring into their path individuals that they would listen to. Because for argument's sake, you have individuals in your own family who have not yet accepted Jesus as Lord. Now, by and large, family members will not listen to other family members because then they've got to kind of admit that the one family member knew more than they did, and that normally doesn't work like that. And so what we do is we pray that the Lord of the harvest would then send um, laborers across their path so that they can be harvested into the kingdom. But all of that praying gets done down here on the earth. Again, I made the, the, the statement right at the outset of the series of teachings that the, the, ch the church in heaven are not interceding uh, before God on behalf of the church on earth or on behalf of unbelievers on earth. They have entered into their rest. And so it is only the church on the earth that is laboring in prayer. And so it is up to us as, as priests unto God to um, pray in this area, for this particular area, and that is that the kingdom of God does come into the lives of those around us in our area, our sphere of influence. And uh, again, our Lord did kind of elaborate on that when he was on the earth. Luke chapter 10, verse 2, the scripture says, Then he said to them, The harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. And so it is very scriptural for us to ask God, because it's his harvest, and he is the Lord of the harvest. But it is scriptural for the saints on the earth to petition the Lord of the harvest to send forth laborers into his harvest. Why? So that they can be brought in to the harvest. And so when, as I say, we find that there's an individual that we can't minister to, then we pray to the Lord of the harvest that he would raise up a laborer to go to that individual and minister the gospel to that person because God knows who the individual will listen to. Um, and so God is able then to bring that individual across their path so that they can witness to them and thus bring them into the kingdom of God. And so that is one of the areas that we're meant to be praying about. And so again, it's not a case of God, we say thy kingdom come and now we move on to the next part of the prayer. Not at all. Thy kingdom come is now us interceding to the Father in the name of Jesus for the unsaved that we know. Now obviously this is not only, not only the unsaved in our sphere of influence, I mentioned that, but we're talking about also the harvest in the nations that we live in, in the cities that we live in. 
that we would petition God the Father to send forth laborers into that full harvest and thus bring them into the kingdom of God. And so that is um, where we should be spending time in prayer as well because that is uh, the mandate given to the church by God through Jesus Christ our Lord. And then our Lord took us to the next area that we should be uh, praying about. And he said, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so here, um, primarily what the Lord is teaching us to pray for here is that the will of the Father would be done, his perfect will, because look at what he says here. Your will, talking about God the Father, be done on earth as it is in heaven. So how is the will of God done in heaven? It, his perfect will is done in heaven because there is no opposition to the will of the Father in heaven. There's no sin there. And sin is disobedience to God. So sin is disobeying the perfect will of God um, or disobeying God. And so when we pray, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, what we're asking the Father is that His perfect will would be accomplished in our lives. And so firstly, we should be praying that particular prayer for ourselves. And so it's, all, it's like a prayer of submission to the Father. It's a, we, we are saying, Father, may your perfect will be accomplished in my life. And so I'm bowing my knee, my, my will, not my will be done, but yours be done. Even as our Lord prayed uh, when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane. And so this is a prayer of submission for the believer, that they are seeking um, that the will of God, the perfect will of God, would be accomplished in their lives. And this is what we should be praying for. And uh, again, there's scripture in the New Testament which just kind of reinforces that particular aspect. Philippians chapter 2, verse 12 and 13, the scripture says, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. And so God is able to work in us both to will and to do according to his good pleasure. And so for us to pray, Father, may your perfect will be accomplished in our lives. That is very scriptural to pray because God then answers that prayer because the scripture t teaches us that it is actually God who works in us to will and to do according to his good pleasure. And so that is what that prayer is all about. But now that prayer is also can be utilized for praying for the unsaved as well. Uh, Father, your, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So in effect, we're praying, Father, may your perfect will be done. And so the perfect will of the Father for the unsaved is that they may be saved. That is God's perfect will for each unsaved person. For it is not God's will that any should be lost or any should perish. And so we, we can actually use that prayer for the unsaved and pray uh, for God's perfect will to be done in the lives of the unsaved that we know about, that are in our sphere of influence. And then, But we can also pray for our fellow believers, fellow brothers and sisters in Christ, that the perfect will of God would be done in their lives. So when we say your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, that is all encompassing. It is our own personal lives. It is the lives of our brothers and sisters in Christ. And we can also use that same prayer uh, for praying for the, for the unsaved, because it is the perfect will of God that all should be saved. And so that would be praying in, in line with the perfect will of God. Now we're gonna look at praying with the Spirit as a separate section as we go through this teaching. But while we're praying um, for when we, we, we pray uh, before God, we should always be praying with the Spirit and with the understanding at the same time. So whatever part of your prayer that you are praying with your understanding, you would then move over into the Spirit because there's issues that need to be dealt with in the Spirit that you cannot deal with with the understanding because we don't have any uh, full understanding in that area. And so we do intermingle it as we do pray. 
but on the teaching side we're obviously splitting it down the middle just to make it easier for understanding the teaching. And so that brings us to the next point that our Lord raised in our, the manner that we should be praying before God. He said, give us this day our daily bread. Now obviously this particular um, section that our Lord mentions here has a twofold application because this can mean um, praying for our personal needs, our physical needs in this life. Because we are meant to ask for our physical needs to be met. Remember James said it, uh, James 4.2, you have not because you ask not. And so, you know, God expects us, even though our Lord taught us that before we ask the Father, our Father knows the need, uh, what we have need of before we ask Him. And so it's not a case of, well, God knows what my needs are, so I don't need to ask Him. No, that uh, our Lord still went on to say that we should be asking. Ask and you shall receive. And so it is only through asking that we do receive. And so James said, you have not because you ask not. And so in this particular section, we should be petitioning God our Father for our needs to be met. Uh, give us this day our daily bread. So that uh, does refer to our physical needs being met in whatever area it might be. But there's also obviously the spiritual aspect to this as well. And that is the daily bread of the Word of God. Um, and our Lord spoke about that when he, well, he quoted Old Testament scripture when he was uh, being tempted by the devil in Matthew 4.4. 4. Uh, the scripture says, But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And so when our Lord said to us in this manner pray, don't forget, it's the, in this manner pray, Father, give us this day our daily bread. There's the aspect of dealing with the physical uh, needs that we have to have met in our daily day-to-day -day living. But now we come across to the spiritual bread that we do need to partake of. Because our Lord said it very plainly, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So it's very important for us to partake of the word of God daily. Because our Lord said, give us this day our daily bread and so we use that uh, section of scripture to, to highlight the truth that we do need to be praying at least daily for our Lord said give us this day our daily bread but it's also a case of father give us this day our daily bread of your word and so if we're going to pray this particular prayer before God the Father then we're going to have to put time aside to spend in his word there's no good praying father feed me with your word this day with my daily bread and then don't give any time to spend any time in the word of god how's god going to answer that prayer and so when we pray father give us this day our daily bread and we're talking about our spiritual bread that we need of his word well then we need to after that time during the course of the day set time aside in the Word of God so that God can answer that prayer and give us this day our daily bread. And so that's the, the twofold application that our Lord was speaking about in that section of Scripture. Then he goes on and he says, And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And we've dealt with this right at the outset. Um, that We said, in fact, before we go into our prayer closet, that we should, because um, remember our Lord said to us, when you offer your sacrifice and there remember that your brother has something against you, first go make right with your brother and then come and offer your sacrifice. So again, that's what our Lord is saying here, um, is that get the, that's why he's saying in this manner pray. And so it's not in any set order that the Lord has put it out. But by and large, we need to get this sorted out before we begin to petition God our Father. Yeah. Now, it can be that during your prayers, um, you, you will recall, Oh Lord, I, I did mess up on this issue today. Please forgive me. I forgive so and so for whatever. And then God will obviously honor that prayer. That's not, a, not an issue. But that is the principle that our Lord is putting across here. 
um, is that the benchmark is us. For we say to God, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. So we're saying to God, don't do anything more than what we do. So if, if I'm not forgiving my debtors, well then I'm asking you not to forgive me. Because the, the prayer is, forgive me my debt as I forgive my debtors. And so I'm actually putting myself as the benchmark to God. God honors that. And so we do need to be um, forgiving anybody, whoever has uh, sinned against us before we get into our prayer closet. And then the last section that our Lord uh, dealt with, he said, And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Um, the, 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 the scripture does say from evil. There are some translations that say, and deliver us from the evil one. But that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says, deliver us from evil. For God doesn't deliver us from the evil one. He has already translated us out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of the Son of His love. But anyway, that's just a, a sidetrack there. Um, and so we do need to be praying that God will not lead us into temptation. Now, God doesn't deliberately lead us into temptation. It's, um, James teaches us that each one is tempted when we are drawn away by our own desires. And so we're actually praying to the Father. We're asking Him to keep us from temptation um, and to deliver us from that's the kind of evil that we don't want to get caught up in. And our Lord kind of uh, gave us a, a, a bit of insight into this in issue in Mark 14, 38, when he was speaking to Peter, James, and John in the Garden of Gethsemane. And he said to them, Watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. And so part of what we pray is that we, so, is so that we can avoid temptation. Because first prize is to just stay away from temptation. And prayer does that. Because what prayer does is that it kind of helps us to negotiate life in that we are able, God is able to direct our footsteps around temptation and away from temptation. Um, whereas if we don't pray and ask the, uh, our Father in this area to, to help us, then it is a case of our adversary is afforded the opportunity to bring temptation across our path. And our Lord said to us, you actually don't want to be there because he said the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And so you don't really want to be in a place where your flesh is going to be tempted because it's, it just makes life that much more difficult to negotiate. So rather um, pray about it and uh, ask the Father to direct your, your steps so that you don't enter into temptation, so that you can avoid temptation. And you will find that your Christian walk um, becomes a little bit easier um, because you know, we have enough uh, trials and tribulations in this life without having a whole bunch of temptations coming across our path as well. So rather just avoid the temptations. And so that kind of deals with the, the, the various categories of, or the various sections in our Lord's Prayer. And I'm just going to refer to it as our Lord's Prayer because everybody else does by and large. Um, but each one of those is a different area that our Lord taught us to pray about. And so when we get to that area, we obviously expand on that when we are praying before God our Father. Now, when our Lord was on the earth, he was constrained as to what he could actually teach the disciples to pray about because you know, they were not yet born again. Um, and so they couldn't understand a lot. Our Lord, when he was on the earth, he said, he said, oh, guys, I've got much more to say to you, but I can't say it to you now because you can't absorb it now. You, you know, you're not there yet. Um, but nevertheless, I will open these things to you after you know, his death and resurrection. And we know that when our Lord was raised from the dead, he opened the understanding of the disciples to the scriptures. And so they had a clearer understanding. And that's the case in our, uh, with, with the church today. Because the Bible teaches us that the veil is taken away in Christ. And so our Lord is able to, in the New Testament epistles, the Acts of the Apostles, the Epistles, and the book of Revelation, is able to reveal to us more than what we can see in the Gospels. Because 
as I say, the Lord was constrained as to what he could share in the Gospels. But when we get over from the book of, book of Acts onwards, now the Holy Spirit uh, has entered into the church, and so the Lord can make more known to us. And so there are certain prayers that are taught to us in the epistles that our Lord Jesus couldn't teach his disciples because oh, they were spiritually dead. And so we get, I just want to read through some of those prayers because those prayers are very enlightening. And these prayers are spirit-anointed prayers. The Holy Spirit has placed these prayers into the Bible. And so it is uh, very powerful to take these prayers because each one of these prayers is a prayer of, of understanding. And so to take these prayers and to pray these prayers for yourself because these prayers, as I say, are anointed by the Holy Spirit and God the Father hears these prayers. And we can also pray these prayers for other individuals because as we will see, that's exactly what the Apostle Paul, because most of these prayers are in fact his prayers. Uh, when I say his prayers, these are prayers that the Holy Spirit taught him to pray for the church. And it's primarily prayers for the church. So the individuals, can, you can't pray them for yourself and you can't pray them for your brothers and sisters in Christ. And so for the, the first prayer is in Ephesians chapter 1, beginning at verse 16. He says, do not cease to, I do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. And now this is what he prayed. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling. And what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? And what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe? And so that is a prayer of the understanding, anointed by the Holy Spirit, that if you pray that prayer for yourself, God will hear it. And if you pray that prayer for your brothers and sisters in Christ, God will hear that prayer as well. Another prayer is Ephesians chapter 3, beginning at verse 14. For this reason, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you, so this is what he's praying, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might through his Spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and height and depth? And to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. So that's another prayer that we can quite confident. And there's no limit on these prayers. So you don't, have, you don't pray that prayer once and you never pray that prayer again for the rest of your life. Not at all. You pray that prayer on a consistent basis because these prayers Paul prayed for the churches all the time. And we can do the same. And the next prayer is in Philippians chapter 1, verses 9 to 11. And this I pray, that your love may abound still more and more in knowledge and all discernment, that you may approve the things that are excellent, and that you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness which are by Jesus Christ, to the glory and praise of God. That's another one, another prayer that Paul prayed. He prayed some very anointed prayers. Colossians chapter 1, beginning at verse 9 through to 11. For this reason, we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you. And this is what he prays. And to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power for all patience and long suffering with joy. Another prayer, 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 11 and 12. Therefore, we also pray always for you. What does he pray? That our God would count you worthy of this calling and fulfill all the good pleasure of his goodness and the work of faith with power, that the name of our Lord Jesus Christ may be glorified in you and you in him, 
according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. And then the last one is the Apostle John's prayer. Uh, 2 John chapter 1, verse 2. Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. And so those are um, prayers of the understanding that we can pray. They are anointed. They, the Holy Spirit taught the Apostle Paul and the Apostle John what to pray for when they prayed for the church. And so those prayers are very scriptural to pray those prayers. You can pray those prayers word for word because that is exactly what Paul used to pray for the churches. But you can obviously also elaborate on those prayers as the, your letter of the Holy Spirit. And so that brings us to the, the next section that I want to deal with because uh, the Apostle Paul, let's just go to the scripture straight away. He says in 1 Corinthians 14, 15, what is the conclusion then? I will pray with the Spirit and I will also pray with the understanding. I will sing with the Spirit and I will also sing with the understanding. And so it is very important for us as believers to be praying both with the Spirit and with the understanding. And as I say, uh, the Apostle Paul, the Holy Spirit through the Apostle Paul, puts praying with the Spirit first and then praying with the understanding. The reason for that is simply this, is that uh, when we pray with our Spirit, uh, we are able to tap into a realm that is excluded from the realm of understanding because our understanding is extremely limited. Um, our understanding kind of, Paul uh, equated it to being a child. And so the understanding that we have in this life, doesn't matter how mature we become in Christ, our understanding is infinitely limited in comparison to what we should, what we, uh, yeah, what we should know. But our spirits do have access to that knowledge, and that's why praying with the Spirit is so important. Now, when uh, Paul says, I will pray with the Spirit, uh, and I'll pray with the understanding, when he says, I will pray with the Spirit, he, he's in fact talking about praying with other tongues. Because in 1 Corinthians 14, 14, the verse just before that, he says, For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. So that's what he's talking about when he says, I will pray with the Spirit, and I will pray with the understanding. When he says, I will pray with the Spirit, he's saying, I will pray with other tongues. And so um, it's very important under the New Covenant that Christians give themselves over to praying with the Spirit. Because, again, this is another, uh, just like the Old Testament saints didn't have access to the name of Jesus, New Testament saints do. Old Testament saints did not have access to praying with the Spirit, New Testament saints do. And so it, God under the new covenant has made far more available to the saints under the new covenant than what was available to the saints under the old. And so we need to partake of that which God has given us under this covenant because it is so important. God would never have given to us the name of Jesus if the name of Jesus wasn't important, and we know it is. God would never have given to us this gift of tongues if it wasn't important. But it, we know it is, and so it's so important that we do give ourselves over to speaking with other tongues. And so when we speak with other tongues, it is in fact our spirits that are praying, because that's what uh, the Apostle Paul says, for if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays. And so we, the, with regards to the inner man, we have different parts to our inner man. We have our spirit and we have our soul, which is our mind. And our mind is our understanding. And so our understanding is extremely limited. But our spirit is unlimited in knowledge. Why is that? Because our spirit has residing within it the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit knows everything. For the Holy Spirit is God. And so the Holy Spirit searches the deep things of God. Now when the Holy Spirit searches the deep things of God, the scripture tells us that the Holy Spirit then reveals that to us. So who does he reveal it to? He reveals that to our spirits. For he dwells within our spirits. The scripture says uh, in uh, Romans chapter 8, 16, the spirit himself, talking of the Holy Spirit, bears witness with our spirits that we are children of God. And so that's where he resides. And he bears witness with our spirit. 
as to the perfect will of God. The Holy Spirit knows the perfect will of God for every situation. For God knows the perfect will, uh, God, his, his perfect will for every situation. And so the Holy Spirit imparts that information to our spirits. How does he do that? By bearing witness with our spirit as to what God uh, views about the situation. So what we do when we pray with the spirit is we, our spirit is now speaking out in the language that our spirit understands. Because the scripture says to us, um, let me just get up there, 1 Corinthians 14, 4, he who speaks in a tongue edifies himself. So the reason that when we speak in a tongue that we edify ourselves is because our spirits understand the language given to them. And so the, the mind doesn't understand the language, but the spirit does. And so the spirit is being charged up, is being edified as the spirit is speaking forth the words of God. And so what happens is, whatever situation we're wanting to pray about, we can pray with our understanding up to a point. But then that's it. We've prayed everything that we know about that particular situation. And so what happens then is we then move into praying with our spirit about that situation. Because now God is able to impart to our spirits His perfect will for the situation. And so our spirit can then, in tongues, speak to God and pray to God His perfect will about that situation. And we accomplish so much more when we pray with our spirits. It's so important for um, the born-again believers to give themselves over to much prayer um, with the Spirit. In 1 Corinthians 14, 2, the Scripture says, For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men but to God, for no one understands him. However, in the Spirit he speaks mysteries. And so it's because we're praying um, God's perfect will, it's, it's a mystery to us, but it's not a mystery to God. God understands perfectly what we're praying about. And so it seems, it, it is, that's why Paul said, I thank my God I speak with tongues more than you all. And he, when he said speak with tongues, he really was talking about praying. And so he could just as easy, and maybe even a better uh, way of putting it across, I thank my God I pray with tongues more than you all. And so it's so important for us because, as I say, um, praying with the understanding is extremely limited because there's just so much. We had a look at in the previous teaching about praying with persistence. And we said, you know, we don't understand why there's a delay in certain prayers being answered. But God does understand. And that is also one of the reasons why we should give ourselves over to praying with the Spirit. Because otherwise, you know, we're so limited, limited in understanding what's going on. But... Um, when we pray with our spirit, then we are praying God's perfect will. Um, and we also are building ourselves up at the same time. Because as I say, our spirits understand the language. And so our spirits are understanding what God is in fact saying through us. Um, it's a mystery to our understanding, it is, but not to our spirits. And so it's so important for us to... Um, Pray with the Spirit. But we, he said, I'll, also, I'll sing, with the understand, sing with the Spirit and also sing with the understanding. And so we, we also worship God with our spirit. Because uh, in Acts 2.11, the scripture says, We hear them speaking in our own tongues the wonderful works of God. And then Acts 10.46, the scripture says, For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. And 1 Corinthians 14.16 and 17 says, Otherwise, if you bless with the Spirit, how will he who occupies the place of the uninformed say, Amen, at your giving of thanks, since he does not understand what you say, for in, you indeed give thanks well, but the other is not edified. And so, in the Spirit, when we give thanks to God and praise Him, we, we, we're giving thanks well, and we're magnifying God, we're declaring His wonderful works. Our understanding doesn't understand it, but our Spirit does. And so it edifies God. And so there is a place in our prayer closet for worshiping God. Remember our Lord said, "Those uh, for our Father seeks those who will worship Him in spirit and truth. And so we are meant to worship Him with our spirits in other tongues um, and give thanks to Him. 
And then there's this one last passage of scripture which is so important. Romans chapter 8, verse 26 and 27. Likewise, the Spirit, talking about the Holy Spirit, also helps in our weaknesses. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. So the, the scripture there is very plain, that we don't know what to pray for as we ought, because there's just too much out there. God's the only one who has all knowledge, and so we're so limited. And so the Holy Spirit helps us in our weaknesses in this, in, in this area by giving us um, the, the, the utterance to be able to pray to God the, his perfect will because he says he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God and so that is praying with the spirit now there, there is another dimension here because he talks about in this passage uh, the spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered and so there's another dimension there's praying with, the, uh, with t- other tongues in our spirits but there's also this dimension of groaning with the Spirit. In other words, the, the Spirit of God takes over the, the person. When I say takes over the person, He just um, anoints the person to be to intercede before God with groanings. And so those groanings cannot be uttered. It's it's like giving birth. Paul said, "I I, I travail again in 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 birth." Uh, paraphrase um, until Christ is formed in you. And so that is groaning in the Spirit. But in fact, that's the Holy Spirit groaning through the, the, the saint. And so that's, a, as I say, another dimension to praying with the Spirit. So it's so important for us as believers to give ourselves over to prayer with our spirits. Um, but we do need to be praying both ways. Paul said, so what is the, the conclusion? I will pray with the Spirit and I will pray with the understanding. And so we do. We need to be praying with, both with our spirit and with our understanding. And we should, as I say, there should be very seldom occasions where we just pray without understanding. There can be occasions where we just pray with our spirit, because the Holy Spirit leads you in that way. Because as I say, it's our, the prayers of our understanding are exceptionally limited. But the prayer of our spirit, there's a depth there that we can tap into, which uh, opens up a, a whole different realm to us. Um, and those prayers are heard by God. For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak unto men, but unto God. And so God hears those prayers. And I'm going to end the teaching series on prayer on that point there.